0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another great episode of Material Is Your Business on Mouth Media Network. And today, we're getting into some fun stuff. It's embellishments, trims, everything you need to make your design sing, perfect person to talk to us about it is Luis Nunez, the president and founder of Trim World Inc. And the show starts right now.
1: Hi, my name is Luis Nunez. I'm the president and founder of Trim World Inc. And what I love about material is the uh, flexibility that we're able to create so many beautiful pieces. I love leather because leather allows me to work in different shades and thickness and the creativity is endless. That's one of the things I love about Material.
2: From New York City, this is Material is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Your hosts for this episode are Samantha Cortez, international consultant and founder of Samantha's Platform. And Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and co-founder of Queen of Raw. And now, here are your hosts.
0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Stephanie Benedetto, and I'm joined by my co-host, Samantha Cortez. Hola. And our guest today is Luis Nunez, the president and founder of TrimWorld, Inc. Hi, Luis. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to have you. Thank you for inviting me. So, I guess to give everyone a little bit of context, can you tell us a little bit of who you are and what you do?
1: Okay, so this is Luis Nunez. (laughs) I like to refer myself as the third person sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the uh, president and founder of Trimble Inc., like you said. And um, um, we've been in business for the last 17 years in the garment industry. We're located at 247 West 37th Street on the 11th floor. And uh, we've been working... um, pretty much with just about every single designer out there. Um, We've had an amazing run for the last 17 years, and we expect to have another amazing 17 years, hopefully.
0: That's fantastic. And, you know, when you're thinking about kind of trims and embellishments, there's such a diversity and variety of what's out there. Tell us a little bit, how much do you really get into all different aspects, or are you focused on certain lines of...
1: Materials. Uh, Pretty much we work in every type of material. My favorite material is leather because leather allows me to create so many different things. Uh, We have a laser machine in our shop, and we're able to create etching. We We create a laser cutting. We create fringes and all kinds of things. And the leather as well, because of the volume, the thickness of the material, allows you to work it in many different ways. I would say that's my favorite out of all the material that we work with at the time.
0: That's great. Yeah, I love leather. I wore my leather jacket here today. Perfect for <laughs> spring and summer. You know, obviously getting into this business, it's, it's such a specialty. And, and did this come through a family history or how, how did you get into it to start?
1: Oh, wow. That's a very good question. Um, I played my league baseball. Okay, (laughs) I played a couple of years in my leagues. And when I finished in my playing career, I needed a job because I had dropped out of college. So I came into the industry, got a job working at a cutting room. That was my first job and just went from there. I would say a year later, I was a manager of the shop. Uh, Probably 15 months later, I took a job working for a company called Vogue Pleating and Stitching in which I pretty much honed my skills there. I worked there seven years, ended up going to FIT because I wanted to have a better idea how uh, stitching and plating and all that kind of stuff worked. And I just uh, grew in the industry pretty much. I came as a kid, now my 47-year-old man. <laughs> and um, I opened up my first shop when I was 29 years old. And it's been wonderful ever since. I wouldn't change it for the world.
3: That's fantastic. Kudos to you. It's interesting. You know, um, end up by chance falling into it. It just falls on your lap. And usually a lot of the opportunities do fall like like that on your lap. Um, I I usually like to ask if you give a snapshot of when you walk into your shop, what does it look like? What you, What would you see?
1: My shop has changed tremendously over the last 10 years, I would say. And that I have to thank to uh, my right-hand people that I have there. Um, I came into the industry uh, a long time ago. So I'm, I would qualify as old school right now. Uh, so the new wave of kids that I have working with me um, have made a, a heck of a difference in how the shop looks. When you walk in, the first thing you see to your right is an entire wall full of handmade patches. I'm talking about... A couple of thousand, three thousand patches that if we were to put a value to it, it's just a ridiculous amount of money that we just spent (laughs) just covering this whole entire wall. But I got to say, it's an accident piece. Everyone that walks into the shop just need to take a picture on that wall because it's so amazing. And... Well, patches are crazy right now, oh too. Oh, my God. So, uh,
0: so on trend. Yes, no, it is, it <laughs> we'll is. We'll pay anything to And these
1: things are 100% handmade, every single one of them. It's, it's amazing, amazing work. But like I said, it's, it's, I have to uh, thank the kids in the shop because they have made a look more fashion forward. It's really a nice place to visit and a nice place to, uh, to work.
0: Beyond that kind of visual when you first get in, um, in terms of machines and the layout of the studio to make this that one-stop shop for a designer coming in, what would they see and how would they work with you through that process?
1: The shop, is set up as a studio, pretty much. Although we have uh, approximately 3,000 square feet of uh, factory space, um, the first thing, we have every type of machine imaginable, whether it's uh, single needle, double needle, zigzag, pearl marrow um fringing machine you name it and then we have a uh, another section of the factory which is primarily embroidery laser uh, we have a dye room uh in-house um we do pretty much everything when it comes down to hand beading flowers frogs frog closures i can't stay <laughs> okay uh frog closures uh belts um When it comes down to fashion uh, embellishment and accessories, we pretty much do it all.
3: I think you're one of the last ones that have like handwork. A lot of you do a lot of hand trims for the industry for big
1: designers. Correct. Can you talk
3: to me a little bit more about that? Uh,
1: Yes, uh, as we know, the industry has been dwindling down for the last ten years, Uh, and yes, we are one of the few people left in the garment industry. Uh, some of the uh, old beaters have moved out, whether it's going to be Brooklyn or Queens or, or Jersey, for that matter. But I would say that uh, right now, Manhattan and New York City, we're probably one of the few, and there's probably about two or three of us that are left. Um, but we are the only button dyers in New York City right now, which that's another industry that have completely disappeared. Um, and it's made it very difficult For a lot of the clients to try to find a a good dyer or just any dyer in New York City, so it's it's really interesting uh, what we've managed to put together uh, over the last seventeen years.
3: I know you do a lot of things for um, Ralph Lauren and all the all everything that's coming around. Talk to me a little bit more of your expected projects coming up.
1: We love Ralph. We love Ralph. Um, yes, uh, Ralph has been an intricate part of our company. Uh, they are pretty much our number one customer. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't be saying that, but thank you, Ralph. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yes, we do. We we've managed to do uh, just about. Uh, I don't know. It's so much that we do with them. Whether it's patches, whether it's going to be uh, hand beating, whether it's going to be frog closure, like I mentioned. We create a lot of unique pieces. Sometimes we only do product development. Uh, We've been doing the Olympic projects uh, for them for the last 12 years. In fact, we are in process right now of making the Olympic uh, patches for them as we speak. They are uh, an amazing company. We are blessed and thankful to have the opportunity to work with them. And um, we hope to... uh, you know, keep that relationship going, like I said, for the next 17 years, if it's possible. Does that mean well, you get to go to the Olympics? I only wish.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, but going to the, when you're walking into a client, and sometimes they give you the projects, but when it's when you're working in development, can you give us a little, like, snapshot how that works?
1: When we work with the clients, um, we take, they could come with us with pictures as reference, they could come with us with a very detailed diagram of what they want. Uh, we have a design team in-house that we are able to assist them if they don't know exactly what they want. So primarily what we do is we, t- we take their inspiration. We take whatever reference piece, whether it's a photo or a, a one-off or anything that they might have that might help us develop the item that they're looking to uh, create. And we pretty much just put it, whether it's going to be on our digital software, we could create it on our um, computerized program, or we could just create it made by hand. So pretty much what we do is we just take uh, as much information as possible from our clients and then try to create their dream reality.
0: That's amazing. Are there any limitations? I know sometimes designers, they have these incredibly creative minds. You come in and there is just this like vision of what you want to do and obviously a level of intricacy and detail. And it seems like you guys can really service that. But are there any limitations that people should be aware of or guidelines or tools when they're looking at trims and embellishments? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. But I've never said no.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Note, everybody. That's the problem. You're the I guy to go that. to then. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I, I don't know what it is. Uh, it could be because I have such a long history in this industry. I um, pretty much started from the bottom. I came into the industry uh, doing deliveries uh, for that cutting room that I mentioned. Um, and then from there, I started working for a pleating, stitching, um, uh, table pleating, um, They did faggoting. They did every type of specialty stitching. So I I have an idea. I have a knowledge that allows me to create things that the average fashion person is not able to see. Because I've worked with so many different machines. I work with so many different skill sets that I'm able to create certain things. Whether it's practical or not, because some of them are not. They look good on a frame. They look good just standing there for a picture. But we're able to create it. And I think that's one of the advantages that our company has over other companies out there.
0: Well, it seems to make sense. And obviously, so many people, when you think trims and embellishments, a lot of people do go abroad for those options, but here you can see clearly the the value add and the eye that you're taking and the experience you have to both for the sustainable proposition of keep it domestic and local and support local, but also because of this creativity and broad uh, educational experience.
1: Uh, Correct.
0: In terms of kind of the classes, then you said you took at FIT and what kind of education or experience do you think people should have around trims and embellishments that maybe isn't there yet or should be, or if you could look back on what you did, wish you had taken?
1: Um, I think it's extremely important, especially if you're going to be working in the garment industry, that you have some type of knowledge in pattern making and grading. Because pattern making and grading allows you to work with garments in levels that a lot of, uh, how can I put it without offending designers? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've worked with so many different designers. They are great at sketching a piece, but they don't have a clue how to put a garment together. And yet, you know that some of them would go to uh, FIT or Parsons or one of the schools, and um, and yeah, they could create amazing pieces, but um, uh, it's different creating one piece for a, a friend, a show for yourself, and creating one piece that is going to be created for production. Uh, those are two totally different animals, and um, and I think that. Uh, pattern making and grading its is the way to go. It's, even if you're working with just embellishment and trims, because that allows you to understand garment in a way that most people just don't.
0: Do you service the industry with kind of small lot production as well as larger scale or volume? Or would you recommend kind of one or the other? With
1: Oh, most work? definitely. Uh, we have no minimums. So whether it's going to be one piece or... 100,000 pieces. Um, we ran a program for a company uh, out of the Brooklyn Navy Yard, and we literally uh, ran 600,000 pieces for them. It took us 11 months. Wow. <laughs> but we did run 600,000 pieces for them. Uh, and that's something that we are able to create. We have absolutely no limitations when it comes down to the amount of pieces or, or the need of the customer.
0: World is your oyster. Designers, that is a perfect time for a break. We'll be back soon, right after this.
2: Greetings, Mouth Media Network listener. My name is Davin Riley, and I'm willing to bet you like music. And even if my assumption is wrong, I still think you should come and check out our show, The Music Lover Podcast, where we sit down with entrepreneurs, pioneers, artists, and the unsung heroes of the music industry. Together, we'll uncover the insider perspectives on some of your favorite companies and artists as we analyze music business trends through a technological lens. Find us at The Music Lover Podcast. But remember, that's music lover without the vowels. M-S-C-L-V-R. Yes. Yes were that cool and since you're cool too we should be friends the music lover podcast we'll see you there
0: welcome back to material is your business we're here with luis nunez the president and founder of trim world inc hello again <laughs> and samantha i know on Brick you had a real burning question you wanted to get out what's up
3: Yes, um, um, Louis, I know you for plenty of years, and I know you do a lot more than just fashion. I know you did a few things for Madonna recently and other actors. <laughs> um, just give us a little snapshot of the other clienteles that you have.
1: Uh, pretty much we've worked with so many different great designers, so many different uh, industries. Um, we work with the theater industry right now. Uh, we've created some amazing pieces for some amazing shows that are currently on Broadway right now. Um, when it comes down to the theater industry, uh, it's a little bit more intricate than your regular fashion you know, needs because everything it's so different from the standpoint of creativity. Uh, we create a lot of vintage pieces. Having to recreate a piece that looks like it's, I don't know, 100 years old that's something that we really take a lot of pride in that, whether it's buffing some leather, my favorite material, <laughs> uh, whether it's just grabbing some foam and, and, and burning it, etching it with our laser machine, or whether it's grabbing a piece of, of foil and pleating it. Uh, there are so many different things that we can create for, for that particular industry. And we are, um, I would say that's my favorite industry. Uh, Because it allows us to be so creative. Um, But also, we have a dye room in the shop. And uh, the dye room allows us to dye, do tie dyes, and just create um, so many different shades and and finishes. Um, Which, again, it allows us to create a better product.
3: No, one of your favorite seasons is when it was uh, the vintage collections from all the designers, and you would like dye them in Coke and press them some paint, and, and
1: I, I, that was I was I gotta say that was one of my favorite time of all time, <laughs> <laughs> besides getting married and having kids. Oh, yeah, <laughs>
3: good.
0: In case your wife and children love are your wife. <laughs> <laughs> So it's true, you know, when you think, obviously, in fashion, and it's something that you're wearing, yes, on the runway, but every day and seeing up close. And then when you're thinking in theater and movies, obviously, the viewer is is a step away. And the does that change a little bit the design and creative process? I understand the aging and the textures. But if you're seeing something from a distance, and how does that change how the viewers and really see what they're seeing and impact the industry?
1: The uh, best thing about the uh, theater district is that they are so well prepared when it comes down to what they want. They, they, they pretty much come to you with a very detailed form, form uh, of how you need to create that piece in order for the audience at the theater to be able to perceive you know, whatever look they're trying to achieve. So, for example, they will come to us and say, okay, this is, I want this leather to be the stress um, this way, that way, that way. You need to be able to do it in a way that they're able to perceive that from 50 rows behind and still achieve the same look they're trying to, to create there. What I mean by that is that they will give you an idea of how these items need to be creative, which most of the uh, fashion people don't do that. They give you an idea of what they want, but they don't give you references and how they need to look. And the theater industry, because they've been doing it for so long, They pretty much have references on just about everything.
3: Do you think it's also by what their education is that they teach them a lot more intensity when they do costume design and they learn the costume design aspect of it?
1: Yes. In that particular industry, from what I've seen so far, um, some of the uh, top designers and creators have been there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So that's one of the advantages that that particular industry has over, I would say, a standard fashion industry because the creativity pretty much gets passed on because there's, you know, men and women that have been working in the industry for so long are able to pass it down to the younger guys that are coming into the industry.
0: You know, we were talking about kind of patches being so on trend and fringe, obviously. Now, I'm curious, as you have such an amazing 17-year history in this, what did you see when you first started as what was on trend and popular, and what do you see now, and can you predict where it's going? Obviously, if you have a hand with Ralph, you would be setting some trends clearly and having a hand in where fashion and design is going, but... How has it changed?
1: Yes. Well, I came into the industry 27 years ago. That's when I first started working for that cutting room. I owned my company for the last 17 years. But I would say 27 years ago, when I first came into the industry, pleading was at the top of the chart. Um, I remember taking a job with that company that I mentioned earlier, Vogue Pleading, and um, we used to make an average of... I don't know, 30,000 pleated skirt per month. It was wow. insane. Um, I remember that I came into that company fairly green. And within three, four months, they gave, they assigned me to one of the accounts uh, because I guess they were so busy, they didn't have anyone to take over that account. And that particular account was making 60,000 skirts. <laughs> so here I am, as green as I could be. <laughs> Matter of fact, 60,000 skirts that I had very li- little knowledge in how to put together. And I got to say, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I had to dive in. So whether it was pleating back in the day, a lot of specialty stitching that was really in back in the day, tucking, pin tucks, <laughs> um, a lot of laces. Before, it, lace was extremely, extremely hard. Um, a lot of... Um, um, Passamentaries as well was really hot back in the days. And now you see uh, the, the fashion has changed a lot. It's it's cleaner. Uh, the fabric is not as heavy as very lightweight fabric, which back in the days was as well very heavy. Uh, the material has progressed tremendously. Um, even the denim industry has seen a major change from... I remember back in the days, you used to wear denim and... Uh, one of the things that I used to hate was that once you remove your jeans, your legs used to be blue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was just me. <laughs> Maybe my mom was not buying the right kind of jeans. <laughs> but I remember having that, and it was so rough, so heavy. And nowadays, you could wear any type of denim that it's so lightweight that it feels sometimes even like a cotton material, which is it's incredible.
0: It's true. And and do you have any predictions of where you think this is going with trims and embellishments? Anything you're seeing or any innovative process you'd like to get into that you think hasn't really come in yet
1: to Uh, its own? One thing that I got to say that is predictable about the uh, fashion industry is that it's completely unpredictable. Okay, (laughs) Uh, it's it's a uh, circle. Pretty much everything just keeps you know, rotating, coming back, you know, it's like five years, 10 years, and then all of a sudden it comes back and, you know, they make a little tweak here and there. But pretty much we've been wearing the same fashion forever. They stamp it on the (laughs) stairs. Forever, I got to say. So um, with the innovations of machines, um, technology has really improved fashion in a sense. Like, uh, for example, I take my Etching, laser machine, and the things that we're able to create with that. Uh, Before, we used to create toolings in order to cut uh, fabric, to create a pattern on a fabric, whether it's a sonobond machine that does the uh, cutting of the material. Um, And it was extremely expensive. So buying a garment that had some laser cut in it back in the days used to cost you an arm and a leg. Uh, nowadays, because there are so many laser machines and plotters and everything else, it's extremely affordable for people to be, to be able to wear that kind of fashion. So I would say that uh, machines in general, technology in general, has had a, a big effect on the industry.
0: And you mentioned that you're working with, obviously, CAD software, and there's 3D printing, and is that something that you get into at all, and has that changed? Uh,
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, For a long period of time, I believe it was almost three years, we had a a casting room, die cast. Uh, We used to work with metals, and... um, and if I would have had a 3D printer back then <laughs> it would have made my life so much easier. I remember paying 600 dollars to create a wax mold. 600 dollars, and, and the piece couldn't be bigger than probably two inches. So nowadays, you're able to create a piece, and it probably is going to cost you 20, 30 dollars.
3: That's one of the things we were talking about the, in the last few interviews was about the molds and um, how 3D printing has helped a lot the industry in just creating the molds and how expensive they were.
1: Correct, yes. Yeah. And um, and not only that, I, I'm I'm shooting low when I'm saying $600. I remember back in the days making a buckle that probably cost me $1,800 to $2,000 to create a mold. So, I mean, it's... The 3D printer is one, the laser plotters is another, Um, all this new woven machines that they have, you're able to create labels that back in the days you had to buy 5,000 pieces in order for you to be able to create a label, your own label. Now you could buy a hundred pieces because the technology allows you to be able to create a hundred pieces.
0: And beyond just the technology, I know something we also have talked about a lot on this show is the materials themselves and obviously new innovations and around sustainability. And are you starting to see some of the fabrics that people are trying to apply trims and embellishments to changing and going more sustainable, working with the Tencel, working with the Modal, you know, and with 3D printing? Obviously, they have all these new materials.
1: That definitely has been going on for the last, I would say, eight to nine years. Um, we've seen a lot of that once, uh, at one point everyone wanted to go green and you could see that at every material that it was being used, uh, was eco-friendly and it was green and it was everything else. And it's, it's amazing because although we still have very much that, uh, it's not as much as it used to be eight, nine years ago. Um, what I mean by that is people still using it. And people, I don't know whether it's that uh, the the clientele expects it now, so it's not being promoted as much, but it's one of those things as well, you know.
0: I think we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, end talking about the fact that you not only have played baseball, but also own restaurants. And how did that come about? And do you actually do any of the trims and embellishments for any of those clothing and <laughs> the interior design of the restaurants?
1: Uh, I do. I do. Um, I make all the uniforms for the restaurants. <laughs> I do a lot of the promotional stuff for for us as well. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I've got to say that it was a big transition to go from baseball player to fashion industry to now tour, And I haven't stopped there. <laughs> there are so many other things that I've actually uh, worked on the last eight, nine years that it's My wife keeps telling me uh, that I'm losing my mind because I'm always jumping from one thing to the next. Every month I have a new idea that I want to implement. And um, hey, I I just like a challenge.
0: Keep you on your toes. That's a good time for a break. Then we'll be back with our final segment and remnants right after this.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion technology and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at MouthMediaNetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show.
0: Welcome back to Material Is Your Business. We're here with Luis Nunez, the president and founder of TrimWorld, Inc. And it's time for...
2: And now, now, it's it's Remnants.
0: remnants. That's right, Remnants. Fun personal (laughs) questions. Louis, we have no idea what we're going to ask or in which order, but we're going to figure that out by tearing a strip of material. And today, we will rip off a piece of the beautiful fringe uh, that you've brought. And let's pull it. Okay, it's me.
1: This is going to be interesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Louis, if there is... Anyone in the world that you could design trim and embellishments for and have them wear it forever, who would it be? What would you design for them and why?
1: Wow. <laughs> you just made me <laughs> blush right now. <laughs> this is really interesting. Uh, who would it be? I would go back 15 years and that would be my lovely mother. Who's uh, been that now for the last ten years? But I gotta say, this is a woman that uh, was very fashion forward, and she really had a sense of of although she was more on the heavy side, she really kn- knew how to carry a dress. She really knew how to put things together, and there's nothing that would have made me happier than to make an amazing piece for her for her to wear. So. That will be my uh, number one person. I know a lot of you guys are probably suspecting some idols or some (laughs) celebrity or something else. But I'm a mama's boy. Can't help it. Good for
0: you. (laughs) Nope. True and honest. We love it. And now, just for formality's sake, I'll pull the second
3: strand and go figure. It's Samantha. It's hard to even come up with a question because I know you for so many years, Um, know your family, (laughs) I don't know what to ask, but let's start with, um, let's see, what is your favorite food and why? Now that you own all these restaurants and you have all these great dishes, is there anything in particular that you just enjoy eating?
1: Uh, Wife, don't kill me, (laughs) (laughs) but I have to say the reason why I opened up a restaurant is because neither one of us know how to cook. <laughs> I say don't kill me. <laughs> um, but yes, um, I love uh, this is a particular dish called ropa vieja. And it's a Cuban dish, a traditional Cuban dish. And it's my favorite. And yes, we do make the best. Roba Vieja in all of, all of Bergen County. <laughs>
0: What's the name of the restaurant then? We have to find
1: it. It's actually called Mambo Tea House. Um, my wife is Chinese. So we are, this is, sounds like an oxymoron, to tell you the truth, because a, a Cubans are known for their uh, coffee, you know, Cuban coffee. And we have a Cuban tea house <laughs> out of all things <laughs> mm-hmm. because of the Asian side, we were able to combine those two cultures together. And we've been open for the last nine years. And it's done uh, really well. I'm very, very proud of the work that we've uh, done the last nine years. Wow, it's been nine years already? Can you believe that, huh? It was just yesterday (laughs) Yesterday. we were putting it together.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
1: so very exciting. In fact, we just opened up uh, another restaurant. Uh, It's been open for the last two months. And uh, it's a similar concept. It's Caribbean as well. uh, Mambo Tea House is uh, strictly uh, Cuban. Well, the other one has a combination of Peruvian, Dominican, Puerto Rican. Uh, it just it has a little bit of everything. So that's awesome. uh, another venture that I'm sure my, hap- my happy wife is very thrilled to uh, get involved into. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think she likes that one that, too much. <laughs> I'm saying that because Samantha knows very well that she opposed the first restaurant. <laughs> and here I go nine years later opening up a second one (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) the power of determination well that is a perfect place to leave us with a final thought as you reflect back on this conversation and your career and your personal and professional life anything you want to leave our our community with
1: um just do what you love commit 100 percent Um, this is the industry that i'm in the fashion industry it's very tough the uh, restaurant industry that i'm in it's very tough but what makes it easier for me is the fact that i love doing it so just commit find something that you love and do it with all your heart because at the end of the day there's nothing better than to be happy
0: Perfect. And how can people connect with you and your business? Where can they find you the best way to reach you? Uh,
1: Trimworld Inc. is located on 247 West 37th Street on the 11th floor. We are between 7th and 8th Avenue. And we are there uh, Monday through Friday for those people to walk in. But in reality, we're there seven days.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Louis. It was great having you on air.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.
0: And for Samantha Cortez. Adios. And I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Material Is Your Business.
2: This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening.